you know, lockdown in Sydney is not great and it does mean a loss of revenue and people's income. But, you know, when you see the, you know, the photography that we're getting from India and some of the footage and seeing people's lives absolutely destroyed and people dying, I think they tell you where this is, um, you know, a, a um, first world problem. Today on Dirty Linen, we are heading to Sydney to talk to Peter McCloskey, founder and owner of The Fresh Collective, a caterer and event company who, let's face it, is not having the best of times at the moment with Sydney in a lockdown and events not really the thing to be doing right now. So, Peter, how are you going? Um, So, yeah, we definitely have some better days. Um, so it's very disappointing after we, we've sort of really been very good. The last uh, few months, we've seen the event business uh, really get back on track and a lot more confidence. And so the latest outbreak and this news that we've had today is incredibly disappointing uh, with lots of events cancelling. Oh, it's so sad. I mean, I'm looking at your website and there's just these beautiful images of, you know, just gorgeous table settings and yeah, unmasked waiters and beautiful food. And you just think about all the gorgeous parties and weddings and cocktail gatherings that you should be doing. But of course, yeah, it's instead, what are you up to? Like going through emails and looking at cancellations? Uh, definitely doing that, um, cancelling all the functions. But I think it's dealing with the staff that's been the hardest uh, job through all of this. You know, initially when uh, when COVID first uh, broke out, uh, we had to let go 350 staff. Uh, we managed to keep 102 on JobKeeper, uh, which was great because we formed a great structure to be able to then bounce back. But we've just employed about another 150 staff more recently and just been uh, telling them, okay, there's no work for next week. Um, you know, what do we need to do to support you? It's having all those conversations, which is pretty tough. Yeah, that must be so hard. And of course, we're in a post-JobKeeper environment. Um, I mean, we've... Yeah, we've just been through a lockdown recently in Melbourne in with that scenario. Um, but I, it, I mean, for you, does it feel like last March? I mean, how? What's the feeling like? Um, look, I think that I must say that I have um, a lot of confidence in our government, our um, state government. I think that they have handled a lot of these outbreaks very well and quickly. So, you know, if it is locked down for a week or a couple of weeks and we start getting back on track and the confidence builds again, then obviously it's good for everyone. If, if this is protracted, then people will lose their confidence. It will take a long time to build back up again. Mm. And do you think people are sort of a bit sanguine about rescheduling events, like people are sort of used to the uncertainty of these times? Uh, look, I think that we found that it's just in the last couple of months that our inquiries really picked up very strongly. So there was a lot more confidence in New South Wales. And, and Queensland's been quite confident for a while. But in New South Wales, we've really noted the last couple of months, uh, people have really got confidence being able to book events and also booking in advance. I think what this will do is that people will lose their confidence a little bit. It'll be a lot more short time, a short lead sort of events. Uh, they'll wait until the last minute before booking just to make sure that there's no um, COVID outbreaks. So it does a, it definitely does affect, it's not just the next couple of weeks, it will affect us for the next you know three or four months, I think. Mm, and how difficult is that for you to sort of work more on a short-term basis? Um, it's really difficult with staffing to to know what sort of structure and the amount of staff that you need to have. And as you probably realise, and, and it's been on the news that um, staffing hospitality is difficult anyway. So it's a real fine balance to try and keep staff on. 
um, making sure that we've got enough work for them. And then if we do get busy and we have these large events booked at the last minute, we've actually got the staff and the infrastructure to be able to handle the events. So it's, it is tricky. It's not easy and it's definitely day by day that we're looking at it. It's really, yeah, it must be so tough. I mean, do you, do you look at different ways of structuring menus or structuring events themselves to sort of cope with the, the you know, potential changes? So I think that the standard cocktail parties has always been the the, um, the difficult one. So that's what, you know, standing up and drinking is one of the first restrictions that go, uh, that's enforced. Um, so if, you know, if, if people can't stand up and drink, then they will have a cocktail party sitting down. So you've got to be able to make sure that that food's suitable to be able to do that. Um, but it's complicated. That's complicated. Your dinners are fine. Um, dinners, there are restrictions, obviously, with, with numbers. Um, that's complicated because if people book a space and they can have 200 people in a space, but then the one to four square meter comes in and all of a sudden they can't have the numbers that they're supposed to, they originally wanted to have. So it's constantly adapting and changing. I do find that client organizers are pretty flexible these days. <laughs> they're, 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 I know. They're definitely uh, great to work with and we're sort of working with them and seeing how we can continue doing events um, in this climate. I think one of the ones that also makes such a big difference is dancing. And I know that at the moment you're not allowed to dance at weddings in Victoria and that's a deal breaker for a lot of couples. Um, is Do you find that as well? Absolutely, yeah. Look, your private events and especially weddings, it's a celebration and they want to be able to party and have a bit of fun and that means close contact and that's not okay in a COVID, you know, sort of environment. So, you know, that that is difficult and we find that um, some weddings have rescheduled like three times um, just trying to have their uh, wedding in a in an environment where they can dance and they're constantly cancelling rescheduling it's it's really difficult for them corporates are different obviously corporates not you know most of our corporate events wouldn't have dancing so christmas time will be a whole new ball game with christmas parties what will happen i think a lot of corporates are saying look let's just not do events um so if we don't have to let's not do events at the moment because it is high risk, it's cancellation issues and, yeah. So has your overall business, do you, do you sort of foresee a, a smaller business going forward for quite a period? Um, yeah, we're operating at the moment around 30% of what we did before COVID. So um, obviously we've got a much smaller infrastructure and teams and um, we, we're just rebuilding. Um, so it'll take a while for us to get back to what we were you know, year and a half ago. So, so most of our venues are in the CBD in the city. So, um, and that's just before the interview. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm just contacting all our managers, um, and you know, telling them the news that what what we're doing from um, you know next week, what we're having to do is stay home. So we'll be paying them to stay home. So you are going to be able to keep keep them on the books, keep paying people. Oh, we have to. Yeah. Yeah. Look, if it if it's protracted and that this goes on for months, which I'm sure it won't, if it did, then we'd have to reassess. But, but at the moment, you, we'll just pay staff, keep them on. Um, as I said before, it's, it's so hard to find good staff. The last thing we want to do is lose staff. And we also don't want to abandon staff. It's been very difficult for a lot of staff getting through the last year and a half. In, a lot of uncertainty. You know, and, and a lot of people do live from week to week, so they really are relying on wages. So we just need to be mindful of that as well. Mm, no, it's 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 really good to hear. And I mean, not every business is in a position to um, 
to keep, yeah, to pay staff through a business closure. And of course, it's not just that you've got, that you don't have the events coming in. There also must be a great loss in terms of food waste, is there? Yes, there is. Yeah. What do you actually do? Like, how do you actually deal with that? Uh, so, of Oz Harvest, we we have a um, Oz Harvest. I think they're operating now in Melbourne as well. But Oz Harvest in Sydney are fantastic. So we w- we would call them if there's any any food that we have that's um, that's good and able to be distributed. We would call them and, and make sure that we get it out to people in need. So we're not throwing it away. Um, but we usually prep for for our functions. We would prep four days in advance. So it's it's for the next four days really that we we um, any functions that we had booked that can't we need to cancel that food would all be wasted. Mm. Yeah, it's sad to think about the beautiful food, but hopefully it can be put to good use. Yes, we'll make sure of that. The Fresh Collective was founded in nineteen ninety eight by yourself. That's that's a bit of a while ago. Can you tell me what um, drew you to do that? Like, what's your background, Peter? <sighs> So um, I, I became an apprentice chef when I was 14 and I've been in the industry all my life. And at the age of 30, I decided to go into business. My, my family were all in business. I thought I'd go into business, which I did in Sydney. And um, catering, obviously, I'm a chef and a food and beverage director with, with uh, five-star hotels before that. So, you know, I had a pretty good background to be able to go and start up a catering company and st- started very small uh, just doing boardrooms, uh, small boardrooms, and just gradually built the business. So I've been doing this. Um, this is my second business in catering, but my first business uh, started when I was 30. So it's over th- over 30 years. Wow. And what do you love about it, apart from right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love my staff. I, to be honest with you, I love hospitality. I love the people. And I think hospita- people who work in hospitality are quite unique. Um, and I really have always loved the team under, that I get to employ and being able to employ, you know, obviously hundred, hundreds of people and uh, give them great working environment um, is a real thrill for me. And I, I really love doing that. And uh, hospitality is fantastic. It, it changes every single day. And that's the great thing about catering. It is different every day. Um, whereas it's not sort of turning up to the same restaurant day in and day out. Catering's, um, it's, it's so different. The weeks look so different. I always think of caterers as, you know, completely unflappable. Like you can just, you know, put them in a field with um with a, a gas burner or with a with a yeah, with a wok and something magnificent will happen. Yes. Uh, well, I would say in my early days I wasn't unflappable, but I think with experience, you know, we've been doing this a long, long time. And with experience, you you tend to minimize any of the disasters that can happen with catering and a lot can happen. So I think with experience and experienced teams, we, we do it um, in our stride these days and do, and do it well. So you do become a, a unflappable because you, you just know all the things that can go wrong and you make sure that they don't. Yeah. I remember um, chatting to Peter Oland a couple of years ago and he was chatting, he was talking about making souffle mix in cement mixes in, I think it was the racing car park. And you just think, oh my goodness, like you just have to be so incredibly resourceful. And when you're cooking or, you know, serving people at scale, I just think, yeah, it's just, it's such a, it's such a different world to restaurants. And of course, you know, for someone who's not in hospitality, it's almost inconceivable. It's, it really is creating the magic for the guests, isn't it? Yeah, and we've done functions for ten thousand people, and um, and I love that challenge. I, it's extraordinary being able to cater for that many people. And you know, friends of mine will say, "How on earth?" And but 
it's something that you do. You learn how to do it. And it's just like, I suppose, with any industry, you just become proficient in what you do and you, you know how to do it. But um, I laugh at the Peter Rollins story because, I mean, that's what catering was like a long time ago and when I started in business. I, these days, it's a bit different. I think there's so many fantastic hire companies that have got really great equipment. Um, you know, it, it, it's a lot better and a lot easier these days um, to build really good offsite kitchens. But I'm from the you know, same year as Peter Rowland. So, I mean, we definitely did that sort of stuff, crazy things in those days to be able to pull off events. Tell, give me an insight into cooking for 10,000 people. What, what are some of the things that you need to get your head around? So I, for me, I have to break it all down. I've got a really logical sort of mind and detail, a detailed sort of person. So I break it all down. I, I would work out what I need to do for, say, you know, 200 or 500 and then multiply it out. And if I do it, if I break it all down like that, it's not a function for 10,000. It's, it's so many functions of, you know, 200 or 500. And, um, and we have managers for each of those functions. And that way it's possible to do it. Um, but it's it's so funny when you start doing the ordering for ten thousand people and you work out you know how much pumpkin you need or how much meat you need. It's just extraordinary the volumes of food. But it is breaking it all down, making sure you do it in smaller lots. Otherwise, it's a bit overwhelming. Yeah, I suppose you can. That's really good advice for anyone tackling any large task. It is it can be overwhelming in its totality. But as soon as you start breaking it down into manageable portions, then yeah. It seems achievable. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um. I mean, you've been in the business for a long time. Would you say, like, does is, does the pandemic swamp everything else in terms of the challenges that it's raised, or you know, can you look at at other challenges that you faced and sort of put them on a par? So, uh, no, this is by far the worst we've ever faced. And it's funny. I think that um, catering. Um, and even restaurants, uh, a very resilient sort of industry. Uh, we haven't been affected that much like other industries can, can have been really affected over the years. Uh, you know, everyone seems to want to eat or need to eat. And so we've saw it always been very resilient. But I, I had no idea when I came back you know, last year from overseas and we, we faced um, COVID, I just, I just found it so hard to get my head around that it was that something was shutting our business down. I just never um, perceived anything like this could happen. So, and at the age of 64, I think that that's probably more the scary thing for, for me and more mature people that you're sort of coming to not the end of necessarily, I, I want to do this for a while longer, but you sort of are at a place where you really want to be secure and, and have a, the business doing well. Um, and then to have, really lost everything. We lost everything, uh, paying out so much money to staff and, and trying to keep the business afloat. Um, my wife and I just absolutely poured everything into the business to try and keep it afloat. So, um, and at 64 doing that, sort of a bit scary, but um, anyway, we'll, we'll bounce back and we'll be fine. That is so full on. I mean, does it mean that, I know you're not thinking about retirement, but does it mean that that sort of timeline really pushes out beyond what you were expecting? Look, I think that my intention was always to keep the business and not to retire. Um, I, I was just going to work, you know, maybe one or two days a week uh, for, you know, for the next 10 years. That was my intention anyway. We've got some fantastic contracts and I'm very, very committed to the public venues. I would always want to make sure that the business does well and does its best. So I would always be involved. But it was, I, I was thinking of pulling back a lot more than probably what I will, I'll have to, you know, work maybe, you know, a little bit more full time for, for a few more years. 
But, you know, it, it is what it is. And, and you look at other how other countries have been affected by this, and they're a lot worse off than us. So I think that we also need to keep it in perspective. You know, lockdown in Sydney is not great, and it does mean a loss of revenue and people's income. But, you know, when you see the, you know, the photography that we we're getting from India and some of the footage and seeing people's lives absolutely destroyed and people dying, I think, okay, where this is, um, you know, a, a um, first world problem. Yeah, I think it's, it is always so important to try to keep things in perspective. Um, and yeah, it's, I think, I, I mean, yeah, I, I know that this is you speaking as a, as a person, but I also feel that caterers are very good at putting things in perspective and just dealing with the situation at hand. Um, and yeah, just, just keeping going. Um, Peter, do you have a favorite venue that you work with? Um, I don't know if I can say that, but I, I love our public venues. I'm very, we do a lot of corporate work, but the, um, you know, the, uh, uh, MCA, um, is is just phenomenal the the you know the art gallery the art gallery in new south wales is we've actually won that contract at the beginning of this year so the the arts in the arts world is where we've always really catered into opera australia is one of our big clients and and i think our our public venue sydney theater company we've been catering there for many years so i i'm very passionate about the arts and i always said that you know, the food that they serve in their venues is a part of the experience of going and visiting these public venues. So we try really hard to partner with them to make sure that the customer that comes to visit um, and see great art, they also have wonderful experience when they dine. So um, so I, I love the arts industries, uh, the arts venues. Mm. And the arts has been obviously hit so hard, possibly even harder than hospitality. You know, they it's... Um, yeah, you can't really. Uh, you can do opera on Zoom, but it's really, um, it's really not the experience. No, no. Look, we're just talking to um, opera at the moment about um, an event, big event that they've got at the end of this year um, for for very, very large numbers, and you just they, they're amazing. I think Opera Australia have been phenomenal the way they've handled this um, pandemic. They're just so positive. They keep trying to do things um and you know they're amazing so we love supporting them yeah well it must be really satisfying to you know put all that positive energy from your company and from those groups together and um yeah just proceed proceed with optimism and hope what else can we do that's right you can't do anything else i mean we 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 do it'll be interesting to see how it all all unfolds it's definitely going to be a lot longer than what we all expected you know, I think this is going to go on for for a while longer and we just need to navigate it and try to do the best we can in the situation. Mm. Um, well, I do wish you all the best with getting through this lockdown. Um, but, yeah, it's really amazing to get your perspective um, and, uh, yeah, to be really infused by your optimism and and, uh, and hope. So thank you so much, Peter, for sharing your um, story with us today. It's really great to have you on Dirty Linen. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks, Danny. Nice chatting. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.